0: citizens, this is Dan from Melbourne and welcome to my second podcast. Every fortnight or so I'll be having a chat with someone who is up to something I think is worth sharing. In this episode I met Jose Maturana from Valhalla Cinema, talking about his new Fortnite screenings kicking off this week and the importance of heart and cult cinema. Now, I do need to apologise up front for some of the background noise, but trust me when I say that it's worth it.
1: Okay, so please introduce yourself and Valhalla Cinema. Okay, Uh, my name
2: is Jose Meturana.
1: Uh,
2: I am the president and Chief Programmer at Valhalla Cinema. I run it with my wife, uh, Claire, Uh, who's not here today, clearly. And uh, we specialise in cult movie screens, uh, new and old mostly focusing at the moment we're finding most of the program is focused on 70s 80s uh, and a little bit of 90s mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: yeah but um, that's not to say that uh, you know cult doesn't happen you know, now mm. because uh, you can actually see sort of the
0: movement towards uh, a lot of genre film in the US what was that other that exploitation one that did really well just recently just recently um a black police that yeah. one. Yeah, um, full of kung fu, and it looked it was perfect. I'm not sure you got me stumped. Oh. I know of a few, but um, that
2: particular one. I'm thinking more, um, like you know, there's, there's a lot of new, uh, you know, horror comedies um, like uh, Big Ass Spider. Yep. Um, Shark- Sharknado. Were they full enough? Sharknado up? is. it's That's not a true cult movie. That is a... It's a joke movie. So it'll probably become a cult film based on the fact that it started out life as a joke film because mm. you you contrast something like that with something like um, you know, Big Arse Spider where the intentions behind the film are completely different. mm mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure that you know, the teams associated with each film thought they were making an amazing film but the motivations behind those films are quite different I think the end result is you can see a film that has a lot of love put into it That's or um, a sort of slightly cynical exercise like Sharknado yeah. Uh, where they're playing everything for laughs because they know it's ridiculous I, I love Sharknado like it was hilarious mm-hmm. um, but it's not got the
0: same intentions not,
2: the, the, like the replayability and like, when, you, you, when you watch it you almost feel dirty when you're mm-hmm. watching it whereas uh, a film where uh, you know it's about a particular there's a new film coming out called Megafoot it's being made at the moment um mm-hmm. You know that the producers behind it are making it because this is an idea that they believed in for a long time, and they're basically saying, "Fuck you to the world. We're going to make this film. We don't really care if anyone you know, it. sees it. Uh, we're making this film because we believe in it. This is uh, a story we, we, we want to tell, uh-huh. and, uh, and and it, there's a lot of love evident behind,
1: uh,
2: you know, behind the camera when you watch the end, the end result. So. Uh-huh. Um, it's yeah. I suppose yeah, You contrast that with something like um, it's just it's a, it's snakes got a different on plane. Film. Yeah. yeah, it's got a different feel to it. Yeah. The snakes on the plane, I don't think can, again can ever become a cult film because it's like if it we intentionally want it to be a cult movie. Okay, uh, I suppose uh, again a contrast to oh, Showgirls. Showgirls yeah. was a movie that have you seen Showgirls?
0: Not for a long long
2: time. Okay. Paul Verhoeven, but he's got an amazing career with you know, beautiful films like RoboCop. Yep. Starship Troopers. Uh, Basic Instinct, you know, it's one of those underrated uh, thrillers that was huge in the 80s but people kind of forgot and then started dissing after a while. And if you go back and watch it, it's a great film. Anyway, Showgirls is one of those films where a lot of money uh, and talent is poured into it. Uh, And I believe they thought they were making a great film. And I don't think it's a terrible film, but it's... It didn't push the right button. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really weird film in that it's just wrong. It's a wrong film. Mm. And it's become a cult film because of that, I think, because... It's very well produced, not particularly well written, not particularly well acted, and has some over the top, outlandish bits. But that's that's what makes it cult. They weren't intentionally making a bad film. Uh, I think they were attempting to make a some kind of social commentary. A lot of the Beethoven films, some kind of social commentary on uh, I don't know the excesses and last you know, Las Vegas and I don't know rags well. and riches, all that sort of stuff. So. Uh, <coughs> um, yeah, it's, just, it's a different. It, there's a different end result, and, and you kind of feel that when you're watching the film.
0: So it sounds like your definition of a cult film involves heart. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, yes. there's definitely heart behind it. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, John Carpenter is one of those filmmakers. that defines um, the perfect cult movie director, and, and that is because he was or is an author that uh, you know wanted to direct. He wanted to score the music. He wanted to write the scripts. Uh, and and really believed in the product and in the early days anyway, in the 70s and the 80s he made some amazing films and those films have kind of they've lasted the, the test of time they weren't really loved when those films came out you know, the thing was derided by critics when it came out and now it's one of those cult classics um, you know, incredible sci-fi and horror films uh,
0: to slightly cut you off what about um, Joss Whedon would you say he's a cult director absolutely yeah? everything he makes is comes from the art mm. he's a smart guy
2: uh, probably too clever sometimes but he will be remembered as someone who uh, was I suppose a creator of, of cult TV shows and, uh-huh. and films um, and Cabin in the Woods I reckon represents mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that this has that of last year's um, Horror Marathon it was one of those films where people kind of expected a kind of film yep. and then by the end of it just, that came up <laughs> left like, to oh him. man so good I love it, it, was just, <laughs> it was right, and it was the last film that played so it actually it was the culmination of all these films that preceded it you'd seen the werewolf
0: in, you know American werewolf in Paris uh, that's actually a brilliant movie to finish a movie marathon, a horror movie marathon. On. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. wanting to give away any spoilers. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, That's what was programmed last. Yeah, it had to be last. Um, so just it kind of just capped off, you know, yeah. all, all the all those little moments that you had in the previous films, mm-hmm. and uh, that comes from that can only come from someone who loves that that genre yeah. or genres of film. And, um, you know, pours his heart and soul into into creating something that um, is an homage, but is also a clever mix-up of, of,
0: of those films. So, yeah, it was absolutely, he's, he's a cult uh, contributor. And, um, and going back to the Valhalla Cinema, yes. um, we're talking about Melbourne things, not cinema things, I think we can talk about it another time. Um, so, you know, you've got the 24-hour movie marathon, you've got the... Uh, You've got the city drive-ins that you've done as well. Yes. And now you've got a new space that you're going to start regularly screening at. Yes. Um, I guess how important to you is that variety of different locations, different ways to experience film and and get in? Um, I don't know that we place importance on the variety.
2: It's probably been more self-indulgent up to this point in that we wanted to experiment with uh, forms of cinema going that uh, personally I used to go to and love and miss. So the Marathon was our, the Sci-Fi Marathon was the first event we did purely because I got fed up waiting for someone else to do it. And it was something that I remember really enjoying when I used to go to university. Mm -hmm. I spoke to other people about it and they also had really good memories. like, you know what, we're going to do it. I have no experience in doing this at all, but I'm going to do it. Um, I studied film years ago and I've watched a lot of movies, blah, 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 blah. Um, I kind of knew what I wanted in a marathon, so (laughs) I just went about doing it. The drive-ins, uh, again, represented just to,
1: you know, the, I
2: had these, these memories of going to the drive-ins with my folks, in you know, the back of the station and kicking back, watching a film, and I wanted to bring that back because whilst the Cobra drive-in cinema does exist, it doesn't really screen the kinds of films that I wanted to see in the drive-in format, uh, so that kind of pushed us in that direction. Um, and the... The, the four screenings now, the new one? The fortnightly screenings is probably an attempt to become a little bit more grown-up. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: kind of more regular?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, I keep kept, I kept thinking of it as being the films that we screen are the gateways to the gateways of, of films. So that is, they're not the most instantly recognisable cult films, but they're the next step removed that will hopefully then maybe push some of our audience to then explore other films hmm. so whilst we're going to have a we're going to do some studio people um, films in, uh, in June or July Yeah, so we're not going to screen Spirit Away or uh um, Totoro actually no we, we, oh. we have to screen that one that's my personal favourite oh, ok that's right a there. personal choice that's ok, okay. we'll it, draw the middle one everyone always screens uh, Spirit Away uh, what's, the, what's the other one The Wind one, was, one? yeah, yeah um, the new one is The Wind Rises yep um nice. Uh, Nausicaa from Valley of the Winds. Mm-hmm. Um, they always screen that one. So we're trying to uh, Princess Mononoke. That's another yeah. one they screen a lot. of. So we've tried to s- program stuff that is kind of one layer removed from the most known ones. Mm-hmm. So our first night is uh, Grave of the Fireflies, which some people have heard of, but uh, a lot yeah. of people haven't. And it's probably the most heartbreaking and touching film ever we've made. You know, it's, it's just. I I challenge anyone to watch that film and not be in tears at the end of it. And I mean, and it's not torture. It's
0: the film itself is beautiful. There's a beautiful relationship in it, and it makes you feel things that a, no other Ghibli film makes you feel. And Ghibli film is good at bringing out emotion. Yeah, generally, yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, so we've done we programmed that film as the first film on that night, yeah. and the and in order to not leave people hanging dry because. It, at the end of that, you're pretty devastated. So we've, we've, we've programmed Pompoko, which is another fairly unknown film mm. about raccoons with testicles that turn into uh, different things like parachutes.
0: I saw it's, this on Twitter. Yeah,
2: it's, <laughs> it's a pretty funny film. It's actually, it's also a, like, a, it's one of these environmental social commentaries mm. about you know, civilization coming and destroying forests. Well, so it's, a, it's actually a pretty funny film. It's mostly feel-good and um, has, a, you know, has a little bit of a message like all their films do. <laughs> yep and uh, I suppose it's meant to lift you up after you watch something like Rainbow Five Fireflies*. and those two films, I never see them programmed ever in these, you know, whenever the Astor does them, or the Nova does them or anyone does these films, screens and, you know, those films those they have to be seen by bigger audiences, but that's why we're doing them.
0: they go for the ones that are already people's favourites and already familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of the, the back catalogue yeah. well then again, you know, I'm doing the same thing
2: I'm going to screen talk to them all the day after but that's, that's a selfish, that, that's probably you know, the selfish part of me wanting to see that we have to do because that was my first film and
0: and I love it my kids love it it's just one of those films I I wouldn't provide the selfish decision because what you're going to end up getting when you have that selfish when you make those so-called selfish decisions is you're going to get people who already agree with you and yes. already follow you and already that's like right. you and they're going to come on that journey with you anyway.
2: Yeah. There's got to be some accessibility and that's what mm. we attempted to do with the drive last year. We tried to program a known film like The Fifth Element with yep. um, Bottle Rocket which was Chris Anderson's debut film mm. that a lot of people hadn't seen and again it was one of those films that never really got screened in another ever. Like I, mm. I would always my ears would trick up you know, at the mention of Bottle Rocket never got a screen I like bugger this mm-hmm. we're going to do a screening of Bottle Rocket and um, it was one of those films that got such a great reaction at the end um, and it was almost like a con job because we programmed the Fifth Element and Bottle Rocket yeah. I, I think when we first advertised it was like Fifth Element and Bottle Rocket, I and as it. we got closer to screening, Bottle Rocket became the first film because I wanted everyone to see that. And I had to make them wait for the Fifth Element. It was great because at the end of it, I was like, "Oh my god, I've never seen this film. Um, I love mean, it. This is you know, it's like Harrison Anderson's best film. Uh, it was. You know, it had the right response. I yeah. I approve of the bed and switch. Exactly (laughs) That's that's what we did And uh, You know It's about championing Some of those Some of those Older films And the true cult films That in other countries Have a much bigger reputation I think Um, Being here We're kind of isolated And tend to forget Um about some of those cult films, even though they, they come from very well-known directors like Wes Anderson, yeah. everyone's flopping at the mouth about Disney releases. Yeah, um, they forget and, the
0: they forget the back catalogue. It's just nice to remind
2: people that yeah, there, there were films that, that existed before this that were really good, sort of free of a lot of the eccentricities that you currently find, and just really lovely, short,
1: a bit more um, pure as well. Maybe when he start when he start Yeah, 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 and, and
2: and they also remind you and show you that people like Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson yep these guys they started from somewhere they started from a very pure place hmm. you know Owen Wilson is you know he's like, him and Vince Warren, you know, see yeah. what they put out these days. But, but they start up like, his student actors at some stage. am he broke he broke, <laughs> well, he actually he? collaborated with Anderson in the first few films he was responsible for writing other screenplays Um, got his brothers involved Two, there's three Wilsons in that film um, Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, and it's it's um it's just
1: uh it's just good to see where
2: those guys came from, what their motivations were. Yeah, and it was that they wanted to make a great little film with, a with Paul was Anderson, and they were they're were actually quite good in the films. They you know, they were good actors,
1: and um. Again,
0: heart. You know, there's this passion and heart behind these films. And they're just really funny films. Are, are there plans to bring back Bottle Rocket to the yes. new screening? Yeah, or? Bottle Rocket will cap off the end of this season. Excellent. Um, right. Yeah, because... Because I just... I'm, yeah. You know, we're talking about doing this in, pod, in, a, in a podcast now. Yeah. i I'm just imagining people going, I want to see this movie and the only way I'll be able to see this downloading unless you're going to show it. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, look, you know... By all means, go on, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be telling you, that track it down.
2: Um, you can't, I don't think you can actually buy the DVD or Blu-ray in this country, so there are other ways to source it. Um, my recommendation is to buy the Criterion Blu-ray uh, from Amazon. I don't know if I should be recommending that, but that's probably the best way to enjoy the home.
1: Uh,
0: but then, you know, the absolute best way to do it is to enjoy the DVD screen well your big screen but also yeah. I need to bring up others as well you mentioned before the Esther and other theaters mm-hmm. I mean, aside from your your three experiences that you guys have do you have a favourite venue or a favourite way to watch movies um, in, in Melbourne The favourite ways
2: and venues unfortunately don't exist anymore the Greater Union was the last place where I really On loved Russell Street the films yeah they yeah. closed um, this last year last year yeah, I, I, was, I was pretty sad about that because I, I was in when new releases came out in order to avoid large crowds and go where the fans went that's where I went Yeah, like, I, I, I like to watch films in venues where at least, you know maybe half of the crowd is, is really into the idea of seeing this film because of a history that the filmmaker might have or because it ties into something um, versus going to you know a, a big commercial cinema where um, you risk getting you know 90% of the audience being on their phones you know, during the film and,
1: and
0: do, do you have a punishment for people who do it no, at your absolutely shows?
2: not I mean I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't um, begrudge anyone wanting to use their phone during a, a film because I do it myself. Yep. Not not when I go and watch a film in a cinema, but if I'm at home, I might do it, and that's purely to comment on what I'm watching. So, if people want to do that, that's fine. Yep. Um, I think it's only a problem when it becomes a distraction, and, and there's a couple of ways that it can become a distraction. One is you go with someone who's invited you. Yep. Uh, and that you. person's really into the film and you're next to them messaging or doing something that's not related to the film that's rude yeah and that's where you kind of have to you know that, that, that a line has been crossed yeah. there but if you go with a mate and you're both on the phones and the reason you're on the phones is because you're tweeting about this film then i think that's that's okay it's got to be you're the, sharing a passion yeah
1: yeah so it's
0: you know, if
1: you're on like eBay while you're
0: watching a film, then why the fuck are you watching
1: a film? You
0: just go home. There's Wi-Fi there. <laughs> um, I, I mean, even, I, I was going to say, I, I probably on Twitter, I see a lot of the movies you guys show. The One of the vaccines are giant, um, Ball sacks came up, um, but also some of the movies you mentioned tonight. Yeah. I've never heard of them. How do you track down these movies? How do you even know about them? Yeah,
2: this this kind of goes
0: back to the gateway to
2: the gateway. So yeah, um, I was like, suppose the film, the way I've discovered movies through my whole life has been, um, you know, getting hooked into the the big feature that everyone knows, yep. and then exploring that filmmaker's other films, and then just working your way back through time. So uh, a really good example is Martin Scorsese. You know,
1: mm.
2: so many people have seen The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, so many people would have seen, I do The Departed, all these films. Yeah. It's nice to go back and see stuff. I mean, there's more obvious stuff in his past, like Taxi Driver, Yeah, where he used to collaborate a lot with De Niro. But if you explore a little more, you start to see how his relationship with Leonardo DiCaprio is pretty much a replication of the relationship he had with um, Robert De Niro you know, 30, 40 years ago. And it's, it's really nice to see. You kind of see this evolution of the actor because um, at the start it it must must be like a romance. You know, you're getting to know the actor. You kind of using him this way and that way, and as time wears on, um, the nuances and the. I suppose you start pushing the actor more and, and it's just good to see him doing that with Leo mm. and
1: um, you know I, I guess the,
2: finding those movies is just the process of going back and finding those films uh, trying to yeah I suppose just work your way back from a catalogue and then once you find those then it becomes a case of you start discussing those films with other people it's like oh if you like that check this out and yeah. then you end up doing that I think with science fiction and horror, science fiction mostly, there are so many classic movies that were released in the 60s, 70s and 50s, um, you kind of feel compelled to find as much as possible and the only way to do that is to go to cult movie screens where you talk to people who can recommend stuff on. But um, there, are, there are filmmakers who have so many films uh, that you may not have watched, you might have seen three of their films, but they're responsible for 30, so you just you go back, see those
0: films... And then, I don't know, you can kind of slowly make your way towards similar films. See the history, see how they progress, see yeah. when they learn stuff.
2: Yeah, context is a, is a beautiful thing. So mm. you look at something like The Thing, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's quite simple The Thing was made, was released in 1982, and then you look at the other films that were released in 1982.
0: Mm. E.T.? Yep. Blade Runner. I was born in 82. I think that's a year of movies. There you go. It's the best year
2: there you go. of movies. And then you look at what the blockbusters were. Yeah, I, mean, mm. I
0: mean, Maybe if he's blo- one of the blockbusters,
2: it's a jumping off point. Okay, Spielberg. Cool, okay. Work backwards from that. E.T., so you work back to something like uh, Closing Classic of the Third Kind, which is 1977, and you work even further back to something like Jewel. You just start discovering those films because you like that film enough that, that you want so, to find I mean, out about that fine. filmmaker's have other films. Scorsese, <laughs> uh, again, just going back to his example, there are so it's many 80s a treasures that last his last have, have been completely yeah. forgotten. And I think
1: it is part of what... The
2: reason for starting up Valhalla is to go back and revisit those films and hope that people come along Yeah. the ride. So one good example is, and we're trying to fit it into the current season and that is to screen uh, The King of Comedy, which is uh, Robert De Niro in this really awkward, painful, almost David Brent-esque character. It's from Mm. 1984, eighty six. Maybe 85. And, and it's one of these roles and films that almost no one knows exists but when you watch it it's, it's like well, shit! You know, this, is, this is a great film this, this is perfect like, it's, how did I not know this film really existed how is it more commonly known yeah, yeah and, and it feels like we have a responsibility to screen those films and at least make them no more, more known and that's kind of going back to the, what the older Hella used to be um, but when it did run it, I found a lot of films that I didn't know of through the Valhalla yep um they would put on festivals like they do they do 24-hour Woody
0: Allen marathons. That's, that's insane, but then you get a chance to actually see all See, the, see films. The, the, the movies in between that didn't get yeah. the, the four Rotten Tomatoes or whatever the fuck they
1: Yeah, reading. exactly.
2: Um, and, and they'd have animation
0: festivals. Hmm. And, and so
2: you go to those and you see these short films. And back then there was no internet where you could go and um, do the research, and I'm doing the research. There were books, they're like, you know, big books that I would buy and just look for them and they'd be like directories of films, they'd have thousands of titles and you just, just go through them. And it would say, okay, well, similar to, and then you just go back. I mean, it's what you do now with IMDb or yeah. with Wikipedia, but uh, you have to do it with books.
0: Always, whenever I'm on IMDb, I'm always checking trivia. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really said, broke his foot during the scene. Sucker. Um, mm. I get a feeling you're going to have an enormously detailed response to my next question. What's better? Um, what, in your opinion, is better, modern CGI and all the, the bells and whistles that, that can bring, yep. versus uh, stop motion? Play and um, um, miniatures. Okay. Miniatures. Okay.
2: That's what I, I have a personal but preference for miniatures, like, mm-hmm. made, that uh, but that probably just know, relates back to my favourite films.
1: The I, I think that there is right, no the wrong. Uh, the <laughs> uh, there's no yeah, wrong form, my of, my form of special effects. It's not think one's better than the other.
2: Yeah. 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 I think that some um, films combine. Uh, you know several of technolog- the technology films that combine
1: you know several
2: technologies really well are probably the ones that do it the best so uh, a film that springs to mind is um, Zephora which screened it out um, Sci-Fi Marathon that's got a combination of CG mm-hmm. miniatures and you couldn't you couldn't say that one was better than the other Just they, they both worked so well and practical effects they both worked so well that um, the film couldn't really look the way it looked without either technology so yeah, I, I don't know stop motion has a look to it yeah. and it kind of dates a film whereas I think miniatures I don't know they're still highly effective that's why they might prefer. they're a highly effective form um, of doing special effects that's my preference but I don't think there is a I don't even say one is better than the other just, they, are, they are of the time and all films are of the time yeah. so if you watch an 80s comedy you might groan at some of the acting but uh, so the film is of the time, time and. It would have worked at the time, yeah. It worked in time, way. and if you, get, you, if, you get, if you kind of drop your head into that time, then it, 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 it works. Yeah. It works. It doesn't really matter what the technology was. Track, um, okay. A good film super there is an exception though. Two thousand and one. That's still mind blowing, no, I think that's just. I think uh, it's like someone from the future travelling to nineteen sixty nine or whatever it was made. Sixty eight. Yeah. And uh, just
1: hanging in old it was
0: just there I saw um like. One of the, the memes that's making the rounds at the moment is Star Wars set, sh- set shot, and it's just a green screen. And I think right, yeah. I think the combination and inclusion of practical effects does yeah, help. Yeah, it
2: needs to be a of
0: Because um, the last, I mean, the the new trilogy, as I holdingly refer, yeah. referred to them as. They didn't have as much practical effects, and I think that's a, a, a big part of their failing when it comes to.
2: Yeah, a curious bit of trivia. I don't know if it's true, is that there are actually more, more, uh, more on-location sets from the original series. Series, but I think that's because the, the original series was much smaller in scale. I different locations yeah but it looks awful the, 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 prequel, yeah, the prequel trilogy looks mostly very uh, but that's because it, that's, that's for a number of reasons yeah. Yeah, that's that's just when you have too much money and absolutely no one raining in yeah.
1: uh,
2: the effects were probably the least <laughs> of the problems associated with that trilogy well,
0: I think going back to what we were talking about earlier I think the, the, the new trilogy had a lot less exactly. heart than the original trilogy in yeah. Star Wars
2: yeah and that's the oh. thing like, just going back to that how do yeah. you find those films yeah. I still think George Um, Lucas's greatest film ever was THX 1138, which is which I need to see, which Um, I need to see. Yeah, Mm. Um,
1: that's.
2: The most oh, the guy, George Lucas film you'll ever see. That, that's got his uh, name on it. But at the same time, it's very George Lucas. You look at something like Star Wars, you see mm-hmm. a lot of the ideas he was putting together in to TX7300 later, mm-hmm. later become you know, that he would extrapolate from that angst. Yeah. Um, even some of the sound effects. You know And, and um, it's one of those films that
1: uh,
2: is not well known enough and should be. Mm-hmm and and, and I guess it's a cult film because
1: Uh, it's a difficult film to watch for some people, I
2: I could watch it on loop and have no problems with it but Uh, it's not an accessible film and and uh, yeah, like you said heart, 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 belief love,
1: and and, and there would have also been commercial
2: responsibilities placed upon him to make certain aspects of the film work So that kind of actually, those restraints are good on a film they force him to make clear cut decisions on things that They might just um, floated through last
0: time, otherwise. yeah, I mean if you're
2: surrounded by yes men or have all the freedom in the world, you're not necessarily going to get the best result. Mm.
1: It's yeah, that still happens. It's always going to
0: happen. Um, Okay, moving forward. We've talked a lot about past and old movies. Moving forward to now, I I kind of refer to now as being the the democratization of
1: of entertainment. People can just
0: pick up pick up a camera. Uh, I can make a stop motion. Show on my uh, oh, on my so iPhone. Yes.
1: Because
0: uh, how do you feel about that? How do you think that uh, that will affect the idea of cult movies no, in the future?
2: I think what it represents is is really, really good. As you say, the the democratisation of technology affects both sides. You know, both being able to produce a film and exhibit the film hopefully means that more films are being made and
1: they're being exhibited in more places
2: that aren't necessarily uh, cinema rooms that
1: accommodate 400 people.
2: They might be, like ourselves, a room that accommodates 60 people. Yeah. And I think I think that's a good thing because it means, in in, in, in Australia especially, being a genre-made film is really hard work.
1: Yeah.
2: If, if the ability to make that film becomes
1: less expensive
2: and easier to access, I think that's a good thing. Because you're going to end up in a situation, almost like what happened in the 60s and 70s, where... Um, and even going further back to the twenties and thirties, you know, where um, guys like George Melies were getting their hands had just enough money to get their hands on the technology and making very personal films that weren't
1: restrained at all by a studio system. Yeah.
2: I'm going to make this film I want to tell this story I'm going to do it this way because you know what no one ever told me that i couldn't do it this way Mm. and I think you get you get pretty special results when when those conditions exist so I think there's
0: definitely a bit of a renaissance happening with filmmaking you know crowdfunding kind of enables that but fan series as well like some of my favourite YouTube clips at the moment are like Batman series where completely separate from DC but somebody's taking their character and this interpretation. Of yeah, something. wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I think I think that's a good thing. I mm. think uh, it's not for everyone, mm. but it, you get this. You're definitely getting a segmentation of audience. Uh, I suppose we're representing some of that. We're not going to get uh, you know we're not going to screen blockbuster films but, uh, too often, but um. You know, there's there's a a niche there for people who want to see uh, more science fiction,
1: Hmm. more horror, or more um, you
0: know offbeat road movie humor, you know that that sort of stuff. Yeah, Uh, well, I mean, one of the things I also believe as well is that there's no very few rules telling you what you can't do. So, what you can do, I mean. So, working. Yeah, so you might be able to not be able to do something a certain way, yeah. but it doesn't mean you can't find another way to do it the same. That's
2: right, that's so right. So, if
0: you don't have the, the budget to be able to make a, a movie that needs four actors and, or, and a couple of studios, it doesn't mean you can't make a cardboard box and use Lego figures to be able to make the same, or tell the same that's story. That's right,
2: but what that limits, I suppose, is the distribution, mm. ability, yeah, the ability to distribute that film. So, I think there's some sensibilities. It's kind of like a, 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 a medium... Hmm. between that sort of very low end shoot shoot-it-on-an-iPhone-type film yeah. and, you know, uh, sort of the indie, you know, the US indie model where it's quite well-funded. Hmm. You know, there's, there's kind of a, a medium there where you know people are, are somehow raising the funds, more than their houses, whatever they're doing, and um, no, in some cases, not crowdfunding, so making the means, so these I, films well,
1: that's that kind of just right, punch above their like, weight.
2: And, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's,
1: it's a good, <laughs> good thing.
2: It's risky. Mm-hmm. But again, that sort of filmmaking so so represents just, that filmmaker just, or group of collaborators so you loving just, and like, believing
1: in what they're making. And I suppose
2: if you've got more people
0: doing that, that you're gonna you gonna find some little gems, really are,
1: and hopefully they also,
0: I mean. I, 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 I hate everything that Beater does now, but he got found found on YouTube from from his voice. There's always that possibility as well. That you could use five participants for on the internet you can kind yeah. of step up and, and get some recognition Yeah,
2: that. yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean that's that's kind of the, the story behind Neil Blomkamp who
0: did uh, District Nine yes. and
2: Neil, I love District Nine. So his original short for District Nine mm-hmm. um is, was yeah, it was just one of those films that was just just well enough made that it got the attention of Peter Jackson <laughs> mm-hmm. and sort of catapulted him into that.
1: He went from that mm-hmm. to a feature film. Yeah. and the second it's one that was from... a
2: feature film, at <laughs> least it was alright.
1: It's, it's it's
2: almost like it your face changed when you said that. When you said that, it's almost like it's almost like the access
0: to all those resources it? it's too soon. Like, it, it kind of um, pollutes
2: the, the purity yeah, of, of what was there to make I, this trip I'm,
0: I'm going to say it if you're not. He, George Lucas, Elysium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, well, and just finally, any final comments or anything about Valhalla um, that we haven't touched on that you'd like to include? Come to the opening. Nice
1: come soon. to the opening. <laughs> yes, come to the
2: opening. 7.30pm, Paris, Texas. Uh, that is a... It's a pretty personal choice. It's not science fiction. I think what we're trying to do with this year's program is show that we're not just about genre film. Like there are also other you know, types of film that we love and want to screen. So most of the season is actually pretty, pretty rooted in you know drama, comedy. And comes all the yeah, way up to 2013, so When Under the Skin becomes available for us to, to screen, which is a new sci-fi film coming from. Um, Was
1: Richard jealous of your
0: mother? No, Jesus, I'm, I'm drawing a mental blank for, for the director's name. That's
1: unbelievable. I
2: feel um,
0: I feel grateful you've done it once this entire time, because every time you pull that names and dates at it. Yeah, um, I
2: can't believe I've forgotten the name. Oh, uh, Jonathan Glazer,
0: the director yeah. of uh, Sexy Beast. Took all the five
2: seconds, yeah. Um, he, yeah, that's a film <laughs> I'm really looking forward to, and that's the sort of film that we want to screen, but he's also... Yeah, yeah, really, really good, beautiful, great. Non genre, non genre. Comedy. Yeah, I suppose non horror, non sci-fi. Yeah, uh, it's about showing that we're able to do that. Do you have a website that people can get the tickets from? Yes, Valhalla Cinema mm-hmm. com au. Uh, also follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I believe the handle is Valhalla the at symbol Valhalla Cinema and I, it's like our Facebook on it's is Valhalla Social there. Cinema
1: yeah. so follow those yep.
2: you'll, you'll see all the news mm-hmm. just going back if you've got time no. I'll try and wrap it up quickly just going back to that question about favourite venues and, and modes, of,
1: question of, of, number two, also.
2: Of, of, of viewing. Um, so I don't think I've, I really answered that well enough. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Greater Union is yeah, one of those places that I love. It um, doesn't really exist. In, in, in terms of current ways of, of seeing films, yep. Um, I mean, I have a so preference yeah, for Tom indoor, God,
1: room, indoor screenings,
2: around. but um, I, I like what the Shadow Electric is doing.
0: Um, their venue, uh,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: their venue works quite well, and I think their programming is top-notch. Like, mm. the films are sort of like, a slightly left-of-centre for a lot of cult films, mm. but then they're obviously going to play stuff that people can access. Um, and that's good. Like, that's, there's a
0: commercial sensibility there, but they also mix it up with a lot of really interesting stuff. Now that you've mentioned it, there actually is a bit of um, okay, comparable cult, uh, comparables, um programming there in between the two of you and yeah they're way ahead of us they've had more time and um, they, they, yeah, they're really they're really not the, the they husband made, and wife show possibly
2: as well yes I, I, can, yeah, I, I can only hope that one day we get to you know, a point where we could be compared to someone like the Shadow Electric yep um, you know, that, that's one way I, I, I quite enjoy going to see films there um, as for indoor um, it's, it's hard to say I I don't know, I, I guess if you want to still go and see a 70mm screening of a particular film, you go to the but, yeah. uh, You know, store. It's,
0: uh, it's half-half nowadays, I think. Yeah,
2: I mean there's, there's a lot of digital projection, um, and digital projection's fine, when we do digital projection. Mm. It, it kind of makes the democratisation of screenings uh, accessible. I'm um, going mean, to be honest, I actually really enjoy going to Hoyts at yeah. Melbourne Central. I love seeing movies there. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> the people who go there.
1: What's the screen? It's a screens it's nice, it's
2: seats. a nice plush setting. It's easy to access. Yep. It's in the middle of the city, and you know, I think. For me, spiritually, it kind of reminds me of the old like, village that used to exist in the city, which was oh, uh, Bond Street. You know, yeah, yeah. Bond Street. Exactly. That, know, that was, you know, like,
1: above everything else, my do favourite do cinema for, for such
2: a long time. Mm. And and the, the Belvella. Yeah. That was that was probably my, my most favourite place to go see. I know, right? I guess what we're trying to do is recreate a little bit of that. You know, Valhalla had Valhalla had that sort of dropping sentimentality. It had cats out the back had busted up seats, but geez, they really cared about the movies, they screamed, they loved, you know, probably loved every film that they put on, they cared for curated curator. and what, what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do is
1: you know, channel along that spirit you know, really think
2: about what we're putting on, try and program stuff that isn't immediately recognisable cult stuff Yep. Uh, you know, mix some new stuff in because obviously we need to pay bills yes uh, and there's a lot of really good new stuff like the, you know, that's that's the other thing too that's like, to like the that side in the woods so was only last year I think that's right yeah 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 um there's there's some I in even this year there's like gravity yeah that's a mm. spectacular film I, I I can see it's false, it's flaws, but it's, I think, I think it's a, it's a spectacular film. It's incredible to look at, incredible to hear, it's just, it's pretty mind-blowing. Awesome. I, I understand it's flaws, and I have issues with some of the film, but jeez, it's, it's a great film, so you can't not screen stuff like that, because they're good films.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get, get uh, to see you as soon as the program opens May the 2nd. Friday May 2nd and then every fortnight after that Excellent That's it for this episode Thank you for working for the background noise and if you have any feedback, suggestions for your future guest or warnings of an alien
1: invasion head to meltdown.com and click contact me Have a good one